This is the Employment Law Show. All righty, friends, 632. We're back at it for a Tuesday evening, as promised uh, yesterday at this time. I told you we'd be back. John Scholes here, Lior Samfiru from employmentlawyer.ca. Want to reach out any time to Lior. Do so uh, outside of this half hour, of course, because we're busy. We're on air. We're answering questions. That would be one 821 5900 to call in your own time. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website we uh, prefer is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, designed by Lior, used by you, and including in that is the severance calculator, all of it free and anonymous to use. The main topic in just a couple minutes will be the process for obtaining better severance. This is a massive thing to know. You've got to have this knowledge because we're all, uh, you know, we're all standing by waiting. Things don't come down the pike, but they can at some time. So the more you know about your workplace rights, the better. So we'll get into that momentarily. But again, 416-870-6400 to call into the show now. But case of the day, Lior, what do you got going on, pal? Hey, Johnny, great to be here. And employment law is the topic we're going to cover, of course, as we always do. And listen, John, for me, this time of year, usually things slow right down. Uh, not too much happens on the employment uh, employment law front, usually around the holidays, and uh, we're, we're kind of catching up usually on stuff. Well, not this year. Uh, for some reason, there's still a lot of things happening, and unfortunately, a lot of employers are still letting people go. And you said been some stories in the news recently, and I've been seeing that on my end as well. So that's why this show becomes that much more important. You have to arm yourself with knowledge. That's the best thing you can do to have the knowledge and the understanding of what your rights are. If you lose your job, if your job is changed, if your hours are cut, your pay is cut, if you're put on a layoff, you name it, you have uh, an entire host of rights. And on this show, we'll always deal with those things. We'll tell you what you need to know. So if your job has been affected recently or you're worried about it being affected, why don't you call us right now, ask the question, tell us your situation, and we'll tell you what you need to do. And of course, even though I'm on the radio often, on TV, most of my time is not spent doing that. Most of my time is spent in the office, talking to people, resolving issues, uh, and and getting to work that way. So if you want me to do that, you want to talk with me and my team, easy to do. We'll give you my office contact information throughout the show. So don't be bashful. Reach out and let's have that chat. But to start us off, let's start with the situation that came across my desk, John. And this is what I call the disability double whammy. Hmm. I spoke with a lady, very, very nice uh, lady, who uh, was was had to be off for work for a medical uh, condition and was dealing with her disability insurer. Unfortunately, got word last week that her short-term disability application was denied. Uh, insurance company really wasn't uh, on board with what her doctor was saying. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, within 72 hours of getting word of that, her employer contacts her by email and says, well, given the fact that you're not approved for short-term disability, we expect you back to work immediately or we'll consider you to have resigned. So that's a double whammy. On the one hand, you're denied disability benefits. On the other hand, your employer is saying, you better come back to work or else. All the while, you're actually sick and your doctor's telling you you can't work. So she did the right thing, thankfully, and she called me and she wanted to know what to do. Well, let's start with the insurance company first. Remember, the insurance company oftentimes would rather not pay you. I don't think I'm I'm crazy saying that. They'd rather not put you on their payroll. They'd rather uh, you go back to work even if you're not ready. So it's fairly common for a disability insurer to deny benefits, to cut off benefits, even though that's not appropriate. Well, 
Fortunately, we have a whole team at the office dealing exclusively with these disability issues, short-term and long-term disability. We'll get the insurance company to back off to approve benefits or negotiate compensation. So we'll take care of that. Now, with respect to her employer, the answer here is quite simple. It doesn't matter what the insurance company says. If she has a doctor's note saying she cannot work, that's all that's required for her employer. Her employer can't disbelieve that, uh, uh, question it, say that it's nonsense. They can't do any of that. Her doctor says she can't work. The only thing her employer can do is give her the time off work, allow her that time so she can get better. So I told her that, and if her employer gives her any pushback, I will get involved and things will calm down as soon as I, I uh, get involved. But I want to remind everyone there, if you're not able to work, if you're sick, uh, get that doctor's note. Extremely important. You're protected. And if you have disability insurance and your insurance company is not approving benefits or cutting you off benefits, you call me and my, I'll connect you with my colleague, the team that does these things exclusively. They're fantastic. They'll help you get that result. And again, to uh, reach out to Lior's team, as I mentioned off the top, always invited to do so. Encouraged, as a, as a matter of fact, one 821 5,900, again, the process for obtaining better severance. Key information here, Lior. First, you know, with all signs pointing to the economy heading into a recession, we've been hearing for weeks, months, as a matter of fact. Uh, what does that mean for severance uh, as an employee? What can we expect? So, uh, you know, it's interesting because how the economy is doing is actually a factor that goes into assessing how much severance you're owed. So here's what I mean by that. In a good economy, it's assumed that it may take you less time to find another job. You'll find a job very quickly. So in a good economy, that may mean you get slightly less severance than you otherwise would. Well, what happens if it's in a recession or if unemployment is high? Well, again, it's assumed that you're going to take longer to find another job. That means you're going to get even more severance. So recession times, bad economy, high unemployment, whenever those things happen, that means you're going to get even more severance than you would otherwise expect. So in these current situations, with a lot of people being let go, there's more people out there looking for work as so many people are being let go. It's going to take longer to find another job. That's going to directly increase your severance. So that means it's even more important than ever to get that advice, to not sign off on that severance letter. Remember, once you sign off, you're done. To make sure that you get what you're owed, you'll probably be even more surprised than usual as to how much you're owed. You know, it's interesting because beyond that uh, that initial, you know, bucket of water in the face when you have that meeting with HR and you're let go and you're walked out the door, it, it, it seems that someone, when they lose their job severance, may not be front of mind, top of mind for them. Why should that be the main concern? So you would be, well, I don't know if you'd be surprised because you have spoken about this, but many people would be surprised just the types of questions that I have most of the time, probably half the time, or if not more, when people call me when they lose their job, they're not actually concerned so much about their severance. They're not even thinking about that. They're concerned about other things. They may be upset about losing their job at all. They may think that that decision to let them go was not fair, was not mm -hmm. appropriate, and I get that. Oftentimes, individuals are concerned about making sure they get their record of employment and they're calling me about that or they want to make sure that they get their vacation pay paid up to date and they call me about that so very very often individuals call me about things other than severance well why do we mention that because from a legal standpoint first of all the employer can let you go pretty much for any reason as long as severance is paid so that's why severance is important but for if you're wondering about record of employment and and vacation 
obviously those issues have to be addressed as well. Mm -hmm. But chances are that the severance you've been offered is completely inadequate. So when someone comes to me and says, listen, Leo, I think they owe me $1,000 worth of vacation pay. And it turns out that they're right. But what they didn't also realize, that they're also owed (laughs) $65,000 in severance. So that's why literally that's where the money is from a legal standpoint when it comes to severance. So when you lose your job, the key thing to understand is did you get the appropriate severance? And then we can deal with all the other issues as well. Fair severance, uh, proper severance. That was uh, what we call it to call it and refer to it every show. But how is that actually accomplished, though? So when it comes to your uh, severance, uh, I want to be very clear here that severance can be the issues of severance can be resolved usually fairly quickly. And he, what I mean by that is uh, usually once we sit down to to uh, look at to talk to you after you uh, lost your job, we'll review various documents. We'll review your severance offer, your employment agreement, other documents as well. And if we assess that you're owed more severance, which happens in over 90% of the time, we then engage your employer in a discussion and a negotiation. Uh, we would send often to the to your employer what I call a demand letter. Mm-hmm. The letter would say, I've been retained by this individual. Here's what, what they're owed. And then I would make certain demands for the severance to be improved. I would, of course, I usually ask for somewhat more than what you're owed to give ourselves some room to negotiate. The company usually would respond back and make us a counteroffer. Then we would respond back with a counteroffer, go back and forth a bit and get that resolved that way. So in many cases, certainly not in all cases, but in many cases, resolving that severance issue is that simple. Now, the nice thing is that once my name, my firm's name is on that letterhead, the company says, okay, now we have to take this seriously. Now they mean business. So that's why it's easy to bring the company to the table if they know that you mean business. Yeah. So that's why oftentimes when individuals try to negotiate on their own, the company says, no, get out of here. We're not going to even talk to you. Yeah. But in many cases, it's fairly straightforward to resolve these severance issues. And the difference between signing and getting what you're owed can often be tens of thousands of dollars. More uh, points in this uh, topic coming up. If you want to grab, slide over, grab a quick call, though. Mike, thanks for hanging on for a moment, pal. How are you? What's your question? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Good, sir. What's going on? Good. So my question is, uh, I am supervisor. I have authority to use my cell phone on the shop floor, but uh, it's company policy not to have your cell phone at all. We've been recently bought out from a private investors, uh, the CEO happened to walk by and saw me on my cell phone, and they wrote me up. And you say you have permission? Absolutely. From who? From the previous owner. Okay. I have it on paper. So uh, I take it because you're a supervisor, you're not part of a union, is that right? No, I'm not. Okay, so the best thing and the only thing you can do, because uh, what you want is you don't want to, that to be held against you. You need to send an email, something in writing to the CEO that wrote you up. And if there's HR copying HR saying, I was written up, I don't agree with it. And here's why I have written authorization from the previous owner. If that's changed, you can tell me and that's not a problem, but I didn't do anything wrong. The reason you want to have that there is because by by responding that way, you're going to make it impossible for the company to rely on this 
uh, warning later on. If you simply say nothing, then they can hold that against you. And if something else happens, that could be held against you. But that's why I want you to respond very briefly in just two or three sentences uh, as to why you did nothing wrong. And, and that's it. You don't even need them to respond back to you. You just want to have that email sent. By sending that email, you're protecting yourself. Okay, thank you. But correct me if I'm wrong now, okay? You asked me if that's changed. They cannot change that, can they? Sure, yes, they can. Yes. They, they can change let me know? No, I mean, obviously, so, practically, they'd have to tell you, of course. But if they tell well, you, hey, from now on, we've decided no more cell phones, they can do that, yes. Only me? Uh, well, I mean... They can make it a general kind of, policy, would, no? It, could, it would be kind of uh, dumb to say o only you, but strictly speaking, if they decided that only you shouldn't have cell phone because they want you to focus on one, two, and three, they can do that. Usually they wouldn't do that. Usually it would be a, a policy across the board that says from now on we've decided no cell phones on the floor. But yes, if they're going to have a policy, they should tell people that that's their policy. I would imagine, Lior, that, uh, you know, for Mike, if he sends off that email, as you told him to do, saying here was the understanding with the previous owner, if something has changed, that's fine, let me know. About a day after that, you know, a company-wide email would be sent out saying, okay, everybody, so going forward, nobody can be in their phones. I imagine that would be coming down as well, right? It's likely, but that's yeah. the way to do it. If the mm -hmm. company wants to have a practice, a policy, it does them no good. If they thought about it in their own mind, you know, uh, people can't read minds. So if they want yeah. the employees to do something, they should tell them. Ideally, even put that in writing so that there's no misunderstanding. Uh, and only then can they actually enforce that policy. The process of obtaining better severance, you got to know every bit of this. We'll get to that in a moment as we continue. Lots more of the Employment Law Show. Stand by. This is the Employment Law Show. You sure are. It is a 649. John Scholes here and Lior Samfiru. You want to reach out to Lior and his team, Samfiru to Mark and LLP, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address in here. Chris, thanks for taking the time on this uh, this Tuesday evening, pal. How are you? Pretty good. I appreciate you guys taking the call. And I actually have a question that I hear good. the commercials all the time for Lior and Samfiru. And I, this is one that uh, maybe he can help me with. So let's just say you're, uh, in my particular case, I'm working for a company, uh, worked there for six years. Then um, I decided to leave for another opportunity. They rehired me back um, about eight months later. And now I work for them and things are going well. But let's just say down the road. So I'm now 16 years in. So in total, 22 years, if you want to call it as an employee. If I do get let go and they come to me and say, oh, well, here's your severance package. We're only going to give it to you from the, the date of rehire. Is that something that I can look back and say, well, you guys keep sending me information saying welcome to the 22nd year and so on and so forth. Is, is there anything I can uh, potentially look at as, uh, as something that I can extend my, my uh, severance? Great question. Yep. Fantastic question. And, and the answer is, your, your previous service, your first six years, will absolutely count towards your severance unless when you started back again 16 years ago, you signed an employment agreement that explicitly said that they're not going to recognize the first six years. If it actually said that, then that's the answer. If it was silent on the issue or it didn't say that or maybe there was not even an employment agreement, then yes, your full 22 years uh, so far will be recognized, which of course is a good thing because the more years of service you have, the more severance you're going to be owed. Uh, that's do, great. Does that make sense, Chris? That's, that's, 
that is exactly what I thought. And I, I just didn't know if, they, if they were the HR department, because everything's very formalized now, would be hardlining saying, no, this is the date that you resigned with us because it was your choice to leave. No, not at all. Absolutely not. And by the way, the fact that they're internally acknowledging your previous years is even better. It makes it that much easier for you to get credit for your first six years. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. If and when you're let go, and hopefully you're not. But if at some point you are let go, (laughs) if it does happen, whether it's a year from now or 10 years from now, you call me and we'll make sure you get everything you're owed. I appreciate it. Thank you for the answer. Thanks for the uh, time and the phone call, Chris. Yeah, he said a little bit of a six-month window. Now, we know that isn't very much, Lior. What's What would be the, the extreme is where, you know, ah, you've been gone a little bit too long, Chris, so no, you're starting off fresh. Well, it's not even about the length of, mm. of absence. It's so much yep. about how do they treat you when you come back. Ah. Do they treat you like a brand-new employee, put you on probation, et cetera, or do they treat you like you've been there before? If they treat you like you've been there before, they don't put you on probation, they bring you back at the same salary you had before, internally they recognize your past service, then come on, there's your answer. So it really depends on what what the relationship was with the company. Now, if I'm advising an employer here and they're bringing someone back, I would say to that employer, number one, have them sign an employment agreement saying that they're you know i recognize past service that the first three months they're on probation etc treat them like a new employee email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and i should mention as well when we're not doing this show and you're always you know wondering sometime what happens if i need severance or i get severance is it enough you can almost guarantee it's not going to be right if you've heard the show for many years and that is simply pocketemploymentlawyer.ca again pocketemploymentlawyer.ca leo we're still going to continuing our chat here the process of obtaining better severance because nobody wants worse severance everybody wants best severance and we hear people say all the time okay leor i get it but do i have to they use this word do i have to sue my uh, former employer to get that better severance so as i as I was saying right before the break in most cases what we're able to do to resolve the matter is we send the company uh, a demand letter and then what happens at that point we negotiate proper severance and that's as, it's as easy as that. Uh, but in some cases, we have to sue to start legal action against the company, but that is rare. In the majority of cases, we do not have to sue the employer. We do not have to take any legal action against them, and we can resolve the matter through negotiation quickly. Now, the, the good thing is that even in the rare situation when we do have to start legal action against the employer, that resolves quickly. So people think, well, that means I'm going to court. Nonsense. You're not going to court. In the majority of cases, you're not going to be within 300 feet of a courtroom or much more than that. Matters resolve, they settle, especially in employment disputes. So again, um, the message here is don't be afraid of the legal process. In many cases, we don't need to use the legal process. And even if we do, it's still a, a quick and, and you can uh, come out of it with an excellent, excellent result. You always get the question, you know, is this, is this going to cost me a lot, Lior? Is it an expensive process? So in most cases, it's really not. And there's the option also of, of working on a contingency basis where you don't take any risk and whatever you know the, the improvement is, there's a percentage of the improvement. And whichever way you choose, whether you pay a lawyer by the hour or on a contingency, one of the things we do is negotiate compensation for your legal fees by the company on top hmm. of everything else. So no, it's not an expensive process. And again, don't be afraid of that when it comes to getting what you're owed. Well, you've often said, you know, you've just lost your job. You're in dire straits. Why would you even offer something that's going to cost them a lot of money? Kick them when they're down. It makes no sense for it to be an expensive process, right? 
it, it, it wouldn't work if I say, well, I know you lost your job, you don't have money, so pay me thousands of dollars. No, that's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. Uh, and that's why we, uh, we do everything, everything in our power to not do that at all. If you, had to, if you had to average how long it generally takes to get the process done, what do you think? So if we're going to resolve the matter without taking legal action through negotiation, that's a process that's going to take a few weeks, you know, anywhere kind of two to four to five weeks, something like that. If we do have to start legal action on legal, uh, on average, it'll probably be more like three to four months uh, to, to resolve the matter. But again, we're measuring that in weeks or months, not longer than that. So it is a quick process to resolve and get you the proper severance. And sometimes the difference between what you're owed and what we're going to get you is months and months of pay. Give you one final quick question. Uh, you know, in, in your in your experience, percentage of people that get inadequate severance and how many of those bother and should get legal advice, but they don't? So I'm going to tell you that about 80% of people when they're let go, 90% of people, I should say, when they're let go, are offered inadequate severance. Of those, about half of them don't ever get legal advice. So if a company lets go of, of a bunch of people and offers all of them bad severance, probably about half of those people are just going to accept not knowing any better. By the way, that percentage used to be higher before you and I get, got on radio and TV. Thanks to us, I think now we've spread the word. But still, there's a huge percentage of people that accept inadequate severance. Don't let that happen to you. If you've been a regular listener, you know uh, what your rights are now. Don't accept that severance. Don't let your friends or family, if they're let go, accept that severance because there's a 90% chance that they're owed much more and it's not going to be difficult to get them that. And we are done. What a great evening. Thanks for your phone calls and questions. We'll pick it up again tomorrow, 6.30, right here with Lior. In the meantime, reach out, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, don't ever forget about it. Put it in your favorites, right? Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And we'll catch you tomorrow night right here on the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your night.